Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Y'all can uh, be seated or stand. That's always an option. Um, that, that was a, that's a pretty crazy thing to sing, what we just sang, right? In my heart and my soul, I give you control. Consume me from the inside out. I'll tell you, that's what God wants to do, right? God wants to change us from the inside out. Okay, Maple Grove, here we go. Welcome to 50 Days of Transformation. I understand from the day until the week of November 22nd, our conversations each week will center around seven keys of our lives that God longs to transform uh, so that our lives will become more and more aligned to the lives you created us to live and so that our lives will be changed. And brothers and sisters, change, becoming a new creation, living a new and better life, is what the gospel is all about. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here, exclamation point. And what we're going to do here, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say my part, the old has gone, and you guys are going to say back with exclamation point, the new is here, right? Because new is good, right? Okay. The old has gone. The new is here. The old is gone. The new is here. Amen. That's good news. And, and listen, that's what we want to be about as a church. We want to be about changed lives, about being a, a new creation, about living a new and better life. Uh, that's why back in January of 2014, we embraced our new vision statement. Our vision is following Christ in life-changing community. Uh, understand, following, understand, following Jesus is where and how our lives are changed. You see, we cannot follow Jesus and not be changed. We cannot be in a committed relationship with Christ and remain the same. Get it? Good. I mean, a branch connected to a tree is going to bear fruit, right? And if you jump in the water, you're going to get wet. It's how it's designed. And listen, according to Scripture, this following happens best in the context of community, in the context of doing life with a small group of people who want to get to the same place, that place being becoming the men and women that God created us to be, becoming that masterpiece that we are in Christ and doing the good things he prepared for us in advance to do, which is why God has, God has built community both into creation and into his church. It's part of creation. It's not good for man to be alone, and he's built it into his church, and that's why at Maple Grove we do Life groups, we call you know, small groups, life groups, whatever you want to call them. It's a group of people meeting together. It's our third core value is that we do life together as a group. And it's also why, you know, I, I've been really, you know, pushing, encouraging, prodding, guilt tripping or whatever. saying, hey, that if you want to get the most out of this 50 days of transformation, you really need to be part of a life group during these seven weeks. And then you can bail out after seven weeks if you want. 
You know, but if you want to get every drop, right? I mean, a milkshake, right? You want a milkshake, you want every drop, right? You want to hear that straw making that obnoxious noise your mom and dad would slap you in the head for doing, right? You want, to, you want every drop out of the milkshake of this series, and you get that from being in a small group. And by the way, it's still not too late. There's still time to get in a group. After service over by the kiosk over there, um, there'll be someone there where you can sign up to be part of a small group. And uh, uh, part of the small group, you get this little devotional that has a devotion on one a day beginning tomorrow. I have some extra books. If you grab me, if you choose not to be in a small group, you, you may want to do these daily devotions, okay? All right, enough of promotions there. The theme verse for this series is Romans 12, verse 2. Paul writes, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, you've heard me say many times before that the way you think determines the way that you feel, and the way you feel determines the way that you act. Therefore, if you want to change something in your life that you don't like, you don't start with your actions. You don't start with your feelings. Instead, you start with your, with your thoughts. You see, if, if I'm acting depressed, it's because I feel depressed. And many times I feel depressed because I am thinking depressing thoughts. Again, the key to transformation starts not in our actions, not in our behavior, not in our, ba- not in our body. It doesn't even start with our will. Instead, it starts with our thoughts. If you change the way you think, that will change the way you feel, and that will change the way that you act. Get it? Good. Okay, we're, we're going to, so we're going to take this principle, this Romans 12 to principle and apply it to the seven key areas of our lives. Relational, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, financial, vocational. And for seven weeks, we're going to look at each of these and ask, how do I change the way I think about this area so that I feel differently? Because if I feel differently, it's going to change the way that I act and the way I respond to other people. And that, my brothers and sisters, is called transformation. Uh, understand, transformation changes us from emptiness to fullness, from defeat and failure to faith and victory, from insecurity and inferiority to courage and to boldness. It changes us from, from living lives that are self-centered to living lives that are God-centered. Transformation is the process by which we become all that God wants dreams, desires, and intends for us to be. And let me make one thing clear as we start out, that transformation doesn't happen in our own power. We don't make it happen. In fact, we can't make it happen. Paul writes, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul says, be transformed. Now, the word in Greek is in the present tense, which means that it's not a one-time event. It's ongoing action. It's a process. It's also in what is called the passive voice, which means that the change in view is not something we do or can do for ourselves. It's something that is done to us, right? We're passive in it. 
Therefore, transfer, tra- therefore transformation can only be accomplished by God alone. Are, are you tracking with me? And finally, the word is an imperative, which means that we have the responsibility of desiring to change and consenting to it as we yield to the power of the Holy Spirit within us. I think a, a, a good translation might be, continue to let yourselves be transformed. Continue to let yourselves be transformed. Again, we can't make it happen. However, we can put ourselves in a place where transformation can and does happen. And, and, and what is that place? That place is being connected to, sitting at the feet of, being in relationship with Jesus. Here's the bottom line. Without God, our transformation into the people that we were created to be will never happen. That's why it should be no surprise that our first conversation and transform is about our spiritual health. Is about being transformed spiritually, which only happens when we are close to and connected with God. You see, the closer you are to God, the more you're going to be transformed. The closer you are to God, the more you're going to be transformed into something new, something better, something different. I mean, we see this all throughout the scriptures. It was because of his closeness to God that Moses was transformed from a timid and insecure guy living in self-exile in the wilderness into the great deliverer of God's people. It was because of his closeness to God that Gideon, a man who was so terrified he was hiding in a, in a, basically in a hole from his enemies, was transformed into a mighty warrior who defeated 100,000 plus enemies of God with just 300 men. It was because of his closeness to God that the Apostle John was transformed from a guy with a violent temper. I mean, one day John, because this town didn't believe in Jesus, wanted Jesus to call down lightning and destroy the entire city. You know, kids, moms, dads, cats, dogs, it didn't matter, right? Just destroy them all. Because that, all that mattered to this son of thunder was his temper and his anger. But because of his closeness to Jesus... We know him as the apostle of love, a guy who wrote such things as, dear friends, let us send down lightning upon one another. No, Uh, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And following because of this closeness to God, the apostle Paul was transformed from a guy who was a religious terrorist who had only one all-consuming passion, destroy the church, and eradicate the name of Jesus Christ from the face of the earth, he he was turned into the greatest and most influential Christian in human history. He he was transformed into a guy that said these words in Acts 21, verse 13. You know, uh, uh, the church met Paul. He's on his way to Jerusalem. His brothers and sisters know that, man, they're looking. They're gunning for you, Paul. Uh, Don't go. We're afraid for you. And Paul said this, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I could go on and on, but I think you get my point. Closeness to God always leads to transformation. Always. Turn to the person to your right and left and say, always. Always. 
I do that so I can sneak a drink, right? <laughs> always. That's always why I do it. You see, we cannot be in God's presence and not be changed. We just can't be. This is a flashlight. And, and it's got a bulb, it's got batteries, it's got this little button that makes a connection. You know? And if I make the connection, this bulb has no choice. Right now the bulb is saying, you know what? I'm not turning on. Not happening. Not in the mood. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, you're on, right? It has no choice. Right? And if it doesn't turn on, assuming the bulb is alive, and I think we're all alive today, right? You know, assuming the bulb's alive and there's nothing wrong with our power source, which is God, that means there's something wrong with what? With the connection. With the connection. The closer we grow to God, the closer we grow to God, the more we're transformed. And, and could we pause just a moment and acknowledge how crazy and insane it is that, that we, as broken and as messed up as we are, that we get to get closer to God? I, I mean, after all, this is the God that the psalmist wrote this about in Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, it, words. Uh, the heavens were made, their starry host by what? The breath of his mouth. That means God breathes out what? Stars. He breathes out stars. Now, the earth is pretty big, right? It's 24,000 miles around. Yet, one million earths would fit inside the sun, our closest star. It's 93 million miles away, and it warms our planet. But as big as the sun is, there are some stars so large that 500 million suns would fit inside of them. And God just went, the star Betelgeuse is 520 light years away. It is 310 million miles in diameter. And if it was hollow, the earth could revolve around the sun inside of it. Maple Grove, this is the God. This is the God who wants you and I to draw close to him. Are you kidding me? You know, whenever I think about the greatness of God, I'm just blown away. I'm in awe. But, but you know what I find even more amazing is that this great, majestic, powerful, always Amen? This great, powerful, always existing God wants to draw close to me. Are you kidding me? Anytime, anywhere, always my choice. I mean, I can so relate to David. You know, uh, many times as a shepherd, he stood out in the fields at night. He would look up into the sky, a sky that would blow us away, right? No artificial light, no pollution. And, and one day he looked up and he wrote these words. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I consider your heavens, Beetlejuice, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have made. And set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care about him. I mean, when I really think about and reflect on God's greatness, and, and then, then, I, then I look at myself, I wonder, who am I that, that God would care about me, that, that God would want to be close to me? I mean, I, I'm, just a tiny, I'm just one tiny speck among seven billion other tiny specks on a hunk of rock 
in the middle of a vast universe, yet the God who spoke all of that into existence wants to draw close to me, wants to draw close to you. Think about that. Almighty God, star-breathing God, oceans in the palm of his hand holding God, wants a relationship with you, wants a deep and intimate relationship with you. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done. Understand, God knows everything about you. The good, the bad, the ugly, and the ugly, 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 right? He knows it all. And yet what? He still wants you. He still wants you. You see, when you pull it all down, the story of the Bible is it's not primarily about the desire of people to be with God, but the desire of God to be with his people. And around 500 years ago, Michelangelo captured the essence, this intense desire of God on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel like no one before or since. I would love to see it in person. And what you have here, you have a picture of God, and that's Adam. And, and, and you see you know, God's body, every muscle is taunt. He's stretching out, his fingers reaching out. He's being propelled on a cloud by, by angels, and his, his beard and hair is being flung back. God is in a hurry, and God is coming as close as he possibly can. God wants to be with Adam, and he just leaves a little gap there, right? And Adam, if you can see, when you see the full picture, Adam's like, I don't know. Yeah, should I? Uh, yeah, I, I see you, God. I appreciate, you know, well, your hair looks good blown back like that, you know. <laughs> you know, and see, God is just waiting for Adam to make his move. And he's waiting for us to make our move. Understand from the opening pages of the Bible, the final revelation, we see a God whose greatest desire is to be with his people. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. I heard a loud shout. I like loud shouts, right? I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people God himself will be with them. God desires to be with us. And here's what I also know this morning is that I think most people in this room want to be closer to God, right? Or else you wouldn't be here. But the problem is that all of us, like sheep, tend to wander away. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We each have turned into our own way. I understand, you don't have to teach sheep to wander. They do it naturally. They're like, hey, that looks good. Check that out. I mean, they'll even wander into a den of wolves and say, yo, what's up? You know, you're up for dinner, right? I mean, it's just, they just tend, they're prone to wander. And we are sheep. So this weekend, as we kick off transformation, I think it's both important and appropriate to talk about how to get close to God how to stay close to God, and if you've fallen away from God, how do you get back to where you were, and then, even better, move forward? Question. Do you feel close to God this morning? Do you sense his presence? Are you experiencing that closeness, intimacy, and fellowship with him? 
Or, or does God seem kind of distant right now, like he's not there, like he's far away, like the, like the spark is, is going out, like the, fire, like the fire is dying down, like the, like the, the balloon of the, your relationship with God, like the air has been let out of the balloon of your relationship with God. If so, how do you get back? And, and, and if you're doing good with God, how, how do you stay good with God and get even closer to God? Well, that's what I want to spend the rest of the time talking about this morning. And we're going to use one of, the, one of the most well-known stories Jesus ever told. It's the story of the prodigal son. Sometimes it's called the story of the loving father because actually it's more about the father than it is about the son. And uh, I'm going to pray and then we're going to read the story. And uh, every now and then I'll bring, I've had these cornflakes. This box has been unopened for like four years, you know. And, and I bring this up here as a way of illustration Around 1995, um, you know, Kellogg's Corn Flakes realized that, hey, you know, our sales are tanking. We need, we need a new promo. We need a, a new way to promote this. And they had a campaign where it was try them again for the first time, right? You know, try them again for the first time. And, and I use this because you know, most of us have probably heard the story of the prodigal son. Raise your hand. You ever heard that before, right? And you're like, okay, cool. I can check out. I can nod off. It'll take them two minutes to read it. Let me check, let me check my news feed on Facebook, you know, send a few tweets out there, Instagram. Hey, I'm in church, whatever, you know. Um, uh, but, but I bring that up. Like, I want to encourage you to hear it again as if for the first time. You know, sometimes God's truth gets soggy in the bowl, right? You know, but I don't want that to happen. You know, put yourself in the place of those that day who heard it for the first time. There's a group of religious people and a group of sinners like us who are like totally blown away that, you mean, if you're, you're really God and you care about me? Okay, but well, let's pray. Um, palms open, so we, we, if, if you so desire. Just symbolic, we're ready to receive from God. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We are totally blown away by your greatness that we're on this huge rock spinning around a thousand miles an hour, hurling through space at 67,000 miles around the sun right now, and yet you hold it all together, and, and you want to be with us, and you want to hold our lives together. And God, I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to hear these words as if for the first time, and that these words will excite us and, and, and make us celebrate if we're in that marvelous light or make us run into that marvelous light of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a man who had two sons, Luke 15, verse 11. <clears throat> the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. He, he, he got as far away from his dad. I think I need another sip of water here. Excuse me. I'm going to clear my throat. Apologize. <laughs> yeah. I, I sing too loud and my voice gets like this. I apologize. You're visiting. I told you I was messed up. I warned you. <laughs> Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. I mean, he wanted to get as far away from his father's house as he possibly could. Didn't call, didn't write, didn't text, blocked his dad off all his social media. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, that's not good, but it got even worse. There was a severe famine in that whole country. Not only was he broke, but now the whole country's broke, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizens of that country 
who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. In other words, this guy hit rock bottom, right? If you know anything about you know, Old Testament um, culture, right? Pigs and Jewish people, not happening, right? Not a good thing. Then verse 16, so he's feeding pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating. Picture that. I had a friend back in Florida who had pigs. The biggest one was named Wilma. And, and, and we'd have a dinner at church, and he would take your leftover food and just put it in this big bucket, you know? And one day I was at his house. We went to see Wilma, and he took that bucket and just slung it in the mud. And you know, I, I got to confess, not once did I say, move over, Wilma. I brought my fork, you know? <laughs> you know uh, but here is this guy. He's longing for the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Wilma said, not happening. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. This is nuts. I don't have to live like this. Verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father put his hand over his mouth and said uh, to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate like it's 1999. Uh, verse 24, uh, For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, he said, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has them back home safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat, so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I love that story. It's our story, right? It's a story how you and I are prone to wander away from our Creator, from the Father who made us, from the God who loves us. And it's a story of a God who always runs out to embrace us whenever we start heading home. And in the story, there's four things that, that we see that we need to do in order to get closer to God. The first is we, we need to get fed up. We need to get fed up with our circumstances, with the way that we're living. And we need to get fed up with <clears throat> where the way we've been living has been and is taking us. I mean, things are not working out so well. We are stressed out, worn out, burned out, lonely, tired, angry, bitter, empty, frustrated, afraid, wandering, I understand, nothing is going to happen in your life during the next seven weeks until you get dissatisfied with the way you are. And if you think, it's fine, I'm fine, I don't need to change anything in my life, 
<clears throat> then you can sit out the next seven weeks because nothing's going to happen in your life until you decide, I don't like this. I'm tired of being stressed out all the time. I'm tired of being frustrated all the time. I'm tired of being anxious, worried, fearful, empty all the time. Well, what I'm trying to say is, if you really want to get closer to God, you've got to get desperate. You've got to get hungry because nothing happens until you're fed up. Now, Luke 15, it says that he wasted it all. He had nothing left. He got desperate and hungry, and he finally came to his senses. And that's where transformation starts. Are you there yet? Are you desperate for God? Are you hungry for him? Realizing that all the things you thought would make you happy and give your life meaning, purpose, and fulfillment never delivered, at least not for long. Sure, the, the new home, the new car, the new job, the new relationship, the new stuff felt good for a while, and, and it made you feel different for a while. But when the new wore off and the thrill faded, you were still the same you. Now, the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus, uh, wrote about this very thing, about how all the outside stuff of this world is never going to satisfy the deep longing of our soul. He writes, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Understand, just getting more of what has yet to satisfy you, possessions, pleasure, popularity, prestige, just getting more of what has yet to satisfy you will never satisfy you, right? Well, if I just had a bigger house, if I just had a newer car, right? If I just had a younger spouse, if I just had this, if I just had that, understand the myth of more is a lie. It's a lie. I mean, that's what Jesus said to that woman leaning against the well, right? You know, you know, Anyone who, who drinks this water will what? They're going to be thirsty again. Speaking of being thirsty again, right? Illustration. Could be thirsty again, right? It's not going to last. Then the prophet Isaiah continues, listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the riches of fair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. You see, we got to get to where this young man got to in Jesus' story, where we wake up and come to our senses, where we realize to live without God is insane. To live without God, it, it doesn't make sense. To live without God, it, it's not rational. It doesn't work. It's not fulfilling. It's not sustainable. There's got to be more to life than this, more than these temporary highs and these part-time fixes. Maple Grove, to get closer to God, you got to get fed up like the guy in Luke chapter 15 and say, hey, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm going back to my father's house. And then after you, have, after you have been fed up, you need to own up. We need to own up to our, to our sin. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Now, understand, sin is what keeps us from being closer to God. Romans 6.23 says that the, the wages of sin is what? It's death, and, and death means separation, right? Physical death is the separation of our, 
of spirit from her body. Spiritual death is separation of her spirit from, from God. Isaiah 59 2 says, Your sins have separated you from God and have hidden his face from you. Have you ever prayed and it felt like God was a million miles away, like your prayers were just bouncing off the ceiling? Like there was this wall between you and God? Man, God, I, I, I can't see you. God, I, I can't hear you. I, I can't feel you. God, I feel like I'm just talking to myself. Why does that happen? Because our sins have separated us many times from God. And he's hidden his face from us. That's where it comes from. It comes from our sin. And listen, if you feel far from God, if God feels distant, guess who moved? Who moved? You moved, right? God didn't move. God didn't go on vacation. God didn't book the flight to that distant country, right? God's been where he's always been, right? Chasing after you, longing to be in relationship with you. If you ask, how have I moved from God? I mean, I, I still go to church most of the time. Well, you move, by get, you move from God, got further away from God by giving your love to something else, by doing what the church in Ephesus was rebuked by Jesus for in Revelation chapter 2. He said, you have left your first love. See, Jesus is to be our first love. And when we give anything else our love, over and above loving God, there's a word for that in the Bible, right? Loving something more than we love God, it's called idolatry. And, and <clears throat> now we tend to think of idols, right? It's, it's those little statues in someone's backyard that primitive people, I mean, not educated people that live in Albemarle County, right? I mean, we're talking primitive people bow down to, right? No, no, no. See, an idol can look like your car. It, it can look like your house. It can look like your career. It can look like your spouse, like your kids, like your hobbies, right? That, that can be an idol. Anything you love more than God becomes an idol. Money can be an idol. Success can be an idol. Now, they're not bad things, but they just do not deserve to be first place in your life. So we own up to our sins. Your sins have separated you from God. Listen, listen. The fact is, I am as close to God as I choose to be, right? You see, I, I, I can't really blame anybody else. Besides, we know how to spell blame, right? Be lame, right? You know, you know, to blame is to be lame. You know, I, I can't blame anybody else, right, for not being close to God. I can't blame my wife. I can't blame my mom, my dad, my brothers, my kids. I can't blame anybody else. And notice that the guy in Luke 15, he doesn't blame anybody else, right? He takes responsibility. I have sinned against heaven and against you. And what's God's response when we own up to our sins? He what? He forgives. Are you kidding me? You see, God doesn't rub it in. He rubs it out, right? He doesn't rub it in. He rubs it out. In the story, we see the father. The father is a picture of God, and the prodigal son is, is a picture of us. And, you know, and it says that, that, you know, the son's coming home. He's, he's got, he studied his lines. He's got them down. On an index card, I've sinned against heaven, against you. Right, he's got his lines. And, 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 and he's still a long way off, and the father sees him. Now, how did he see him? Because every day, every morning, you know, he's looking out the window, sitting on the porch, waiting. I hope he comes back. And one day he's like, that, that looks like my, that looks like my, I, I, you know what it is? And the father runs. 
and he grabs the son, and the son is full of pig dookie. It's just dripping off of him. He smells, and he's stinky, and the father just grabs him. And he says, it is time to celebrate because my son has come home. You see, when a sinner repents, it's time to feast and to celebrate. Luke 15.10 says, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God, which means who's rejoicing? God, right? God's going, yeah, I mean, he's going crazy, he's freaking out. And this Friday around 4 p.m., there was some rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God as a guy named Sean was baptized in the Christ. He's becoming, going to church for about two months. We met at Chick-fil-A one time, and and he wanted to talk about getting closer to God. And and, and then, yo, bro. I've made the story right. Uh, yeah, no, he, about getting close to God, and then we we're talking about getting baptized, and we met this past uh, Friday, and, and it was so cool. You know, he's talking about, you know, how God's moving in his life, and he was saying, well, how does the process work? I go, well, you know, you, know, you can be baptized, you know, we have baptism Sunday, but you can be, like, baptized anytime, right? I mean, any time is baptism day, right? And he goes, you, for real? I go, yeah. I said, you can be baptized right now. He goes, seriously? I go, yeah. He goes, well, I got my bathing suit in the car, right? <laughs> I love it when a guy, was, he brought it with them, man. And that sucker was cold. I believe when I tell you, you know, but I tell you what, there was rejoicing in the presence of angels of God this past Friday, you know, as Sean surrendered to Christ in faith, repentance, and baptism. And, and you know, today is Baptism Sunday. You know, <clears throat> every day is Baptism Day, right? You know, but, you know, it's good to talk about it. You know, there's about seven people, I think, so far, I know after service, they're going to be baptized in the Christ. And, you know, if you believe in who Jesus is and you want him to be your Lord and Savior and you have not yet been baptized, I will just ask a 2,000-year-old question to you. It's from Acts 22, 16. Um, a guy named Ananias posed this question to Paul three days after he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he simply said this, and now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized. Passive voice, right? Uh, you know, it, 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 we don't baptize ourselves. It's passive voice. Baptism is a work of God, not a work of man. Be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Again, if you haven't done that, after service, anytime, you know, Steve at thegrowseville.org, anytime, day or night. Man, nothing, nothing better than that. Maple Grove, God loves to forgive sin. Loves. He's in a hurry. Whether it's the first time, we repent of our sins and are baptized into Christ or, or the pretty much daily forgiveness that you and I need all the time, right? I mean, we need forgiveness all the time, right? And, and Jesus in Revelation 3.20, talking to Christians, a church in Laodicea, he, he said, calling them to repent. Hey, you guys are messed up. You're doing some stupid stuff. But I want you to know that repentance is available. As a matter of fact, I'm knocking at the door. You know, and if you choose to repent, I'm ready to come in and, and be with you again. Remove the distance. Open the door uh, that's been shut between us. Amen? I've sinned against heaven and against you. Because ultimately, that's great theology. Ultimately, all sin is against God, right? Um, if I sin against Dan McClish by talking to John Morinsky about how I don't like Dan McClish and I sin, sin against him, ultimately, that's still 
against heaven first, right? It's, it's against God. It's affecting my relationship with God. And I think separation from God is a heavy price to pay for not owning up to our sin. Amen? Get closer to God. We need to get fed up, own up, and we need to offer up. This is the third thing the young man did. He got fed up. He came to his senses. He owned up. He admitted uh, that I sinned against God. Then he offered up. And notice in Luke 15, verse 12, the son wandered away saying, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then in Luke 15, 19, he comes back and says, make me a servant. Do you see a change of attitude there? Yeah. He leaves saying, give me my, give me my, give me my. He returns saying, make me, make me. That's transformation. That's transformation. I love it. This fed up, owned up guy returns saying, the guy, make me. He, he offered himself up to God. And that's transformation, right? Now, our theme verse for this is, is Romans 12, verse 2, but the verse before it is really good. Check this out. It, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view that he forgave us of all our sins, to offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We offer up ourselves. God, here I am. God, God I'm yours. God, you're the, you're the potter. I'm the clay. God, you mold me. You shape me. You form me to the exact shape that you want me to be. Make me what you want me to be, God. I offer in my heart and my soul. I give you control, right? Consume me, God. Shape me from the inside out. And, and let me tell you, when, we, when, we, when we're fed up and we owned up and we offer up and we say, God, make me, you know what he'll do? He'll do that. He'll begin the process of, of making us into what God wants us to be. And that process is called transformation. Transformation, which comes from the Greek word metamorpho, where we get our English word, what do you think? Metamorphosis, right? Slimy green caterpillar in, beautiful butterfly out, right? But it doesn't happen overnight. You know, in fact, in various stages along the process, it's not that pretty to look at. But when the butterfly breaks free, it is stunning. And that's what transformation is all about. It's about a radical and complete change that God brings us through. Now, when you're a caterpillar, what can you do? Not much. Munch on leaves, you're stuck on the ground. But God didn't make us to be caterpillars, right? God made us to be butterflies, to soar, to change, to be different. But we got to go through this transformation process. Number one, get fed up with the way you've been living. Number two, own up. Get honest with God. Admit, God, I've been living for myself. God, I have, I've been doing it my way, not your way. Three, offer up. God, here I am. I'm yours. I offer up my whole being to you. And fourth, we need to lift up. We need to continually lift up our praise and our thanks to God. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. 
we need to celebrate. We need to continue to lift up and celebrate God's presence. Celebrate being back home. Celebrate being with him. Celebrate that we can hear his voice through his word. Celebrate that we can reach his throne room with our prayer. Celebrate that we can sing out praises of thanksgiving to him. Okay, we need to land the plane. Brothers and sisters, God has a plan for your life that you cannot possibly imagine. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years. God, God wants you to live a life that is truly life, a life that's an abundant life, that, that's, a, that's a measurably more satisfying than you could possibly imagine. And it's hard to imagine because we're not there yet, right? We only know what we know, right? What we've experienced. Like, like, like for example, like when, when I was a baby, my mom used to give me stuff like this, right? What I have in here, any, I know there's no volunteers. This is some strained green beans, right? Mmm. Mmm. And I'm thinking, this is... This is awesome, right? As a baby, didn't know any better. Then a little later on, as I hit toddlers, my mom introduced me to SpaghettiOs. Yeah, now you're talking. Now you're talking. The neat round spaghetti you can eat with a spoon. Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs, right? Okay, I just dated myself. Okay. If you can't date anybody else, date yourself, right? Okay, <laughs> okay. that was stupid. All right, and, and, and these were good for a while, thinking that's all I knew, and then... Then I was introduced to something called steak, medium rare steak. And I'm saying, that's good. That's good. Question, if you knew there was a better way to live than the way you're living now, wouldn't you want to know about it? Of course. Well, that's what transformation is all about. And you say, but I'm, I'm living a good life. And you are. I mean, you live in America. Uh, you live the good life. You're looking good. You're feeling good. You got the goods. But said, there's only one problem with the good life. It ain't good enough. You see, you are made more for the good, you are made for more than the good life. You are made for the better life. You are made for the abundant life. You are made for a life that we cannot even begin to imagine any more than a caterpillar crawling on the ground can imagine what it would be like to be a butterfly soaring in the clouds. And as we launch this series, I, I, I just want to say that no matter where you are in your journey, there's more. And maybe here today, like these seven people, you're going to surrender like Sean on Friday. You're going to surrender to Christ in faith, repentance, and baptism. You know, as we start the song, those who have made that decision, we're going to go into through both those back doors. Um, yeah, but no matter how far you are with God, right, the cool thing with God, there's always more, right? There's always more. There's more we can experience. There's more closeness and intimacy that we can have with him. And maybe today God brought you here so you're just fed up. You're fed up the way things are going. Maybe he brought you here so you would own up. Or maybe he brought you today to offer up, right? God, here, take me, God, I'm yours. Make me what you want me to be. You know, we're going to close with a 257-year-old a song written by let me get the guy's name again. Boom, 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 boom. It's not boom, boom. Um, Robert Robinson. 
wrote this song, Come Thy Fount, in 1757. And when Robert was eight years old, his, his, his dad died, and he didn't do well without having his dad in the home. He was pretty much a, a terror. So at age 14, his mom sent him away to London um, to train as an apprentice to be a barber. And, and, and he began drinking, partying, gambling. And age 17, he, he went to hear an evangelist, uh, George Whitfield, a, a great evangelist. And he actually went there with his friends to make fun of the people that were going there. And when he went there, he, 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 he got impacted, but it didn't take root. So he went another three years a wild living. At age 20, he finally surrendered to God, became a pastor. And when he was 22, he wrote this song to accompany a sermon he was preaching, Come Thou Fount. And it's a phenomenal song. And I just want to explain like two phrases to help you understand it better. Because there are a phrase in the song that says, here I raise my Ebenezer. And to me, Ebenezer used to just mean Scrooge, right? That's it. You know, like, what does Scrooge have to do with this song? Am I supposed to lift them up? You know, okay, here's what Ebenezer means. Um, in 1 Samuel chapter 7, God's people were facing an enemy bigger than them, the Philistines, and, and, and they asked Samuel, would you pray for us for victory? And he prayed that God would help him bring victory, and guess what God did? Then Samuel took a stone, and he called it Ebenezer, which means thus far the Lord has helped us. That's what it means. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. If he helped us thus far, he'll help us the rest of the way. And there's another line about something called a fetter, right? You, you may know this. I didn't. I have to look it up, right? Okay, what's this fetter I'm, I'm, I'm singing about? I know what feta cheese is, but what's this fetter? And, and what it is, it, it, it's a chain uh, that, that would bind prisoners, usually a chain that would go around their ankle. And so there's a line where we're saying, you know, that we want to we, we wanna chain ourselves to God's goodness, like a fetter. We want to chain to God's goodness so we don't get away from God, okay? And, and that may help the song have some deeper meaning. And if you guys would stand, I'm going to pray. If you have a decision to make, you know, feel free to come forward. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. God, we thank you that... Whenever we want to come home, you're on the porch running out to meet us in the yard. And God, I thank you for those who are making a decision right now to surrender to you in, in faith, repentance, and baptism, Lord. God, I thank you this morning for those right, right now who you brought them here because they're fed up, and now they know why they're fed up. And God, I thank you for those today who know they just need to own up, and for us who need to offer up more of our lives to you. And God, I pray that as we sing this song, we just celebrate you. We lift up our hearts in praise and gratitude for all that you've done and all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen.